0: This was really about that flywheel effect. It's about brand perception. It's about owning your own destiny and your experience. It's about moving the NPS score forward to make sure that folks are really advocating and promoting your brand more than anything. And what that does is that through some of those traditional channels that they have, which is like partnerships with the studios, it could be partnerships with the streaming providers like the Netflixes or the Apple Music. or it could also be the OEMs like Samsung or LG the demand increase because the preference in the market chain.
1: Dolby is an iconic brand with an amazing history, offering incredible state-of-the-art technology and enabling drastically better media and entertainment experiences. Since its foundation in 1965, it has become synonymous with high-quality sound. The company's products are ubiquitous. Dolby is a technology and entertainment brand primarily focused on B2B, but with consumer and creative audiences. They are renowned for innovative research and engineering, creating audio, video, and voice technologies for cinemas, home theaters, PCs, mobile devices, and games. Over the years, the company has been a shining example of how a tech company can perfectly nurture the creativity of their science minded employees and foster an atmosphere of creation and experimentation. Our relationship with Dolby extends back to 2018, when they were amid the evolution from a pure business to business focused ingredient brand to a consumer facing experience brand. This transformation is rooted in conveying the essence of Dolby as a company educating consumers to better understand its technology and how Dolby enhances media experiences. So to hear more about this project and their ongoing transformation, I'm always delighted. It's never a chore. It's always a pleasure to be joined by SVP for Global Technology. Kasper Rasmussen Kasper, welcome to the thank podcast. You so much, it's thank so you good for to having be me. here. How's the Congress going for you so far?
0: Indeed, very well. Very inspiring. Absolutely.
1: Good. Great. So let's set some context for this conversation. I've just given a long intro into Dolby, but what was the starting point for them? What led them on this transformation journey in in the start and what were they trying to achieve originally?
0: So it was really twofold. First and foremost, there was a definite desire to move from what they call an ingredient brand to an experience brand. They want to own their own experience. They want to own their own destiny. They want to change how Dolby is perceived and what the difference of Dolby truly is and how people are recognizing it within their audience and in inside of their segments. So really, they wanted to bridge the gap between being at the discretion of somebody else. That could be their partners, like the Apple Musics of the world, it could be the actual studios or it could be the OEMs, like the Samsungs of the world, and truly be the ones that are explaining the difference of Dolby and also the ones that are delivering it. If we were to draw a, a quick parallel to back in time. Back in the 90s, in a car, you had a Dolby button when you pushed that button. (laughs) Way back when. Way back when. When you pushed that button, the audio enhanced. When you pushed it again, it went back. That was very tangible for consumers to understand the difference that Dolby made. Now in this time, with all of the different types of choices you have in buying consumer electronics or choosing your streaming providers or even choosing the type of content you want to actually watch or get entertained by on Netflix understanding or even getting to the Dolby difference is very, very difficult. And that is really the, let's say, outside looking difference that they really wanted to introduce with the transformation journey. The second part of it was really inward facing and in they wanted to move away from what we call being a pirate into something being a bit more pioneering. Okay. They were extremely reactive by nature. They were pursuing each and every single opportunity that showed up or emerged in market. And they did that by making extremely tactical choices. We needed a strategy, we needed a purpose, we needed a, let's call it backbone in how they actually do digital and how they operate as a digital company in order to also bring the organization closer together. Because doing Dolby and articulating the value proposition of Dolby, even showing or delivering the difference of Dolby is not just a digital marketing effort, this come into product, it goes into partnerships, it goes into digital marketing, it goes into licensing, it goes into many different types Which of business functions yeah. within the Dolby company. And really getting away from that pirate mentality of going to market and doing it reactively to actually making it a coordinated effort that was Relying on a similar and a unified backbone was extremely important. But a lot
1: them. of companies have that same mentality, yes, don't they? That's they still do. very commonplace today, so yeah. not unusual. Okay, so where did they start? What was their first starting point?
0: We, we really started with a digital strategy, and we did this together with some of our creative counterparts out there in the market, uh-huh. where really the outside-in perspective was really solidified. We defined something, the notion of passion points, making sure that we articulate the difference of Dolby in the context of a passion. Uh This is really where the notion of gaming, movies and TV, events Mm. and entertainment, those types of thing came in. Instead of Dolby talking about how great Dolby is, they always talked about it in the context of a passion, something somebody cared a lot about. We also introduced the notion of proof points. The biggest challenge for Dolby has always been to actually deliver the difference of Dolby. Sometimes consumers thought they were in Dolby, and other times, they didn't. And we really needed the ability to prove the point of the difference Dolby makes. So this is also where the concept of visualizing that difference really came into the picture. And that is some of the experiences that we've developed and delivered ever since. In how do you actually trick the mind, even though you may not have a setup? Yeah. Whether it's the content, whether it's yeah. your, your laptop, whether it's your mobile device, not being Dolby compatible. How can we still give you the feeling and the difference? Of being in Dolby by actually visualizing how it what it does to the body and how it does to your brain.
1: Amazing, and we're going to talk about that in a lot more detail because yes. that is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But when we think about the Dolby transformation, it started off quite tangibly with what a website redesign. Yeah. I mean, it started out with quite tactical things, didn't yeah. it? What was it, that kind of trigger point? It,
0: it, it started with a desire to go in and really unify a technology ecosystem, with the first activation being Dolby.com. Dolby.com at that point in time, and now we're back in 2018, was extremely inside out in the way it articulated content, in the way it actually described the proposition of Dolby. So they talked more about them than they talked about the difference that they could make to their audiences. Okay. So this unified technology ecosystem got established through the activation of the first website being Dolby.com. And within Dolby.com, we identified really the need and the 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 um, the reality of having to be very ambitious and very brand-led in the way the actual experience came out. Mm -hmm. So if anyone hasn't, they should go in and check out Dolby.com because it is truly an immersive and very brand interactive type of an experience that is absolutely beyond the level that you typically see out there. We also really focused on some of the, I would call it top funnel types of journey stages. We really needed to create awareness. We really needed to create education and we really needed to intercept the consideratory stages mm-hmm. of a buying process. So how does Dolby, for instance, fit into your purchase of buying a new gaming computer? Yeah, how does yeah, yeah. it fit into the purchase of you getting a new TV? What type of sound bar do you need Which to augment your setup with? that you wouldn't normally
1: with? think about with Dolby necessarily. Yep. Yep. No. But then I'm really interested in that point because Dolby is a massive brand. Everyone knows Dolby. Yep. There's a, it, when we think about trigger points for wanting to start this transformation, are we talking falling revenue? Are we talking about, or are we talking it about was, just growth objectives? What was it, that trigger? It was,
0: it was all about brand perception. So think about Amazing. a good old NPS. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, all yeah. about preference. It's all about being top of mind. It's all about people being able to articulate why Dolby matters outside in the market. And of course, there is a flywheel effect on that in being when there is a preference in the market you'll also see that the OEMs and the partners of Dolby will start to increase the demand yeah. of folding Dolby technology yeah. into their devices, into their service offerings. So that's the, the, the commercial flywheel effect of what we are truly doing, but directly the type of value that we were seeking or trying to unlock what was absolutely more about brand perception. It was about NPS and advocacy. It was mm-hmm. about loyalty mm-hmm. and those types of things.
1: Okay, so now I want to talk about the actual ways that you were able to achieve that. So you mentioned some of those more creative ways of engaging the customers. Let's talk about what we've come up with. So what, what have we been doing with Dolby?
0: So for instance, as a part of the first engagement where we focused on Dolby.com, we really focused on easing the path to getting a Dolby experience. Okay. And that happened in a few different ways. For instance, there are a bunch of immersive experiences that visualizes what it feels like to be in Dolby. So for instance, there is um, an experience in there where you live, as you're hearing the music play, it visualizes how sound moves around your head, even though it may not do it on the actual device because oh, of the okay. device not being compatible. So that is okay. one way where we're tricking the brain to feel immersive sound
1: without the sound
0: truly being immersive in reality. So again, it's all about us articulating the difference Dolby makes, even in circumstances where it may not even be possible. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. we need to be awfully aware of, and this is the complexity of Dolby too, is that being in Dolby, meaning getting the difference of Dolby, whether it's through audio or your visual uh, experience, requires three things. It requires a compatible device. Yeah. It requires a streaming platform that yeah. also delivers in Dolby. Yeah. And it requires the piece of content, whether that's a track from an album or if it's a movie or an episodic piece of content mm-hmm. to be graded and also mixed in yeah. Dolby. Yeah. Those three factors are impossible for audiences to navigate. Yeah. You can't educate about that, but you can ease the path of getting there. And we try to remove as many, let's say, variables in that equation as we possibly could. And for instance, these visualizers, like the, Dol- the Dolby Atmos visualizer, was an attempt to take the device out of the equation. We could guarantee that the track was mixed in Atmos. Yeah. We could guarantee that the actual way we delivered the content through the website was Atmos compatible. You had control But we had that. no control of the device.
1: Yeah, and yeah, that is where yeah. the
0: visualization was extremely important for them because we still allowed ourselves to articulate what it feels like to be an Adobe experience, even though folks actually weren't.
1: Might not be an Adobe experience, but then how do you measure that? How do you know if that's working, if people are responding to that?
0: We, we see it strongly in, in both the NPS score, like when we actually do surveys and we, we gauge the market, we see that the NPS score is, is increasing. increasing. It's actually in the segment of great now. And we also see that there are more promoters than there are anything else. So we see the NPS score actually shifting around, Honestly, you can also just see it based on the level of engagement you're getting with these types of visualization tools. People are eager to try it out themselves. You need to be very mindful that around the Dolby brands, there are a lot of fans. Mm
1: -hmm. We call them truly
0: entertainment addicts and we call them feature fanatics, like folks that are truly passionate about wanting that Dolby difference. Them understanding what it can do to their movie experience and they truly want to do it and they want to go through hoops in order to achieve it. So we also saw a lot of interest and a lot of engagement with these interactive experiences when we started to publish those out because people truly wanted to see what the Dolby came up
1: with and and how are we
0: trying to articulate that difference without experiencing it on our our own body. Such
1: an interesting challenge that you had there of replicating this, even if it wasn't on a Dolby device. Was there anything else that you did
0: that? No, and, and... There are other means or other ways of experiencing Dolby too. And this is truly getting into the Dolby experience, meaning having the optimized sound, having the Uh enhanced video. For instance, there were um, easy access into cinemas and ticketing. So Dolby owns alongside with AMC, in particular in the North America region, Uh um, a lot of real estate around cinemas. And they actually have full-blown Dolby setups with cinemas. So obviously, integrating that closer into the customer journey of the website In the context of, for instance, promoting the new Spider-Man movie graded in Dolby, you can also, with a few clicks, actually start to experience it yourself by going into your local cinema and and trying it out. We also started to integrate some of the the, the journeys from a digital platform standpoint into the new concept of an experience space. Uh So Dolby also opened up this concept of Dolby Soho in downtown New York City, where they set up...
1: This is a physical space, right? This is a physical
0: location, and they set up this perfect space where you had different types of immersive experiences, where you could walk into a room with screens all over that really immersed you into the actual environment. You could go through a forest of trees and hear the birds from all sorts of angles and around your head, even when the birds are flying above your head. All of these types of experiences was also a way we could help people actually understand and, 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 and feel the difference of Dolby without convincing them to to go out and buy a new TV or without convincing them to go out and buy a new home entertainment setup or new devices or without convincing them to go in and upgrade their subscription on Netflix in order to activate the Dolby features.
1: I love that, that shift of mindset from get them to experience it rather than the focus on the product itself, get them to to live it. So important. Let's focus more on that general D2C strategy then. Why is it so important for a brand like Dolby? There are many others who are in a similar situation to achieve that new new DTC strategy, and how how do you think they've really nailed it? So let's yeah. talk more about the concept of DTC strategies yeah. in general, and then how have they managed to nail it?
0: Typically, what we see, and this is also very relevant for Dolby, is that DTC or going direct to consumer as a B two B company is not always about the revenue alone. Meaning, if you were to look at this from a commercial standpoint mm-hmm. and say, how much revenue do you actually generate? Yeah, at Dolby in that direct-to-consumer service offering that we did or that proposition, it's close to none because there are no products being sold. It's not like you have subscriptions and suddenly things show up at your door. It's not a traditional direct-to-consumer in the context of like retail or CPG with consumables or or consumer brands. This was really about that flywheel effect that I talked about. It's about brand perception. It's about owning your own destiny and your experience. It's about moving the NPS score forward to make sure that folks are really advocating and promoting your brand more than anything. And what that does is that through some of those traditional channels that they have, which is like partnerships with the studios, it could be partnerships with the streaming providers like the Netflixes or the Apple Music's, so or it could also be the OEM's like Samsung or LG, the demand increase.
1: Suddenly Dolby becomes first Suddenly choice Dolby because be they know the consumers want exactly it. Exactly.
0: The demand increase because the preference in the market changes. And that is where the commercial, let's call it business case for a company like Dolby sit. In they are simply nurturing the traditional channel that they had, exactly like a CPG would do by increasing brand preference of the ketchup. It also means that their wholesale channel is going to boost because yeah. it's all about really, let's say, um, pushing an increased demand across your channels. It's so not just all these knock-on the effects revenue.
1: beyond just the revenue generation, it's yeah, so at important. At least in,
0: in that particular channel in itself. Okay. But it's also one of the bigger differences, or sorry, one of the, the, the bigger challenges of going direct to consumer because it's also the intangible yeah. nature of it where it's not just about how you measure, like, okay, this is how much revenue we carry and through our And it's so difficult or, to measure. Yeah, because it's typically around loyalty. It's typically around these direct-to-consumer um, digital propositions, like mm-hmm. how can you actually differ from some of the existing and, and more established channels that you have, for instance, wholesale or or more traditional retail. Um, and and again, it's not about the revenue alone. Sometimes there is a, bit sh- a, a small share of revenue you can gain. There is obviously a, a margin play in it too, but it's absolutely equally about the data. Yeah. It's about the market insight. Yeah. It's about the brand experience and actually shifting or promoting the, um, the preference in the market, because then you're starting to move your business forward.
1: So, we talked about the strategic concept. We talked about how we're approaching this from a business concept, p- perspective, strategy. Then we shift to actually enabling this to happen, which is obviously where the technology conversation comes in. Yeah. And later on today, we're going to be having a whole conversation around the idea of composable commerce. Yeah. But let's dive into it. So, how did they enable this to happen from a technology perspective?
0: So, we... We defined, and this is a part of the initial engagement, so let's say this was a part of our vision back in 2018. We wanted to establish a unified digital ecosystem, not one that was only suited to solve for one given problem, but one that was actually this backbone that the organization could use both to do future activations on, to actually collaborate on, to be better at digital, but also to track and collect data and activate based on data on, uh, in the future. We went down the path of optimising Yep. Which is still today the DXP of choice for Dolby. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this means that there is a commerce element, there is a content management and typical digital experience platform element mm-hmm. to it with personalization. But it's absolutely also integrated back into auxiliary types of capabilities like marketing automation, like yep. customer data platforms, yep. like um, dashboards and reporting, and all analytics. the essentials.
1: All the essentials, <laughs>
0: I would say. Yeah, and and what we've really done is that. We also need to be aware working in a consumer space also means that your demand from, let's just call it traffic mm-hmm. or engagement is also a bit more unpredictive than yeah. it has been in the past. Where yeah. B2B, it's extremely predictive being it's within business hours, you kind of understand the type of engagement you have and what you, you will have going, going into the future. From a D2C standpoint, the agility and flexibility of this digital ecosystem was extremely important for them. So we also started to really build it out. Not just within the optimized DXP and within that optimized ecosystem, but also outside of it to really get some of those differentiating capabilities. And this could, for instance, be about live streaming, it could be around virtual conferencing, it could be around live chat and how you actually interact with the one presenting in case you're attending like a virtual conference around content creation, yeah. grading and vision or, yeah. or mixing in Atmos. So all of these very bespoke, very niche types of capabilities. Added value extras. And extremely value adding um, capabilities. We've also implemented, but more in a microservices type of a way to make sure that we had the scale because a lot of these was used in what I would call real life and real time activation. So think about it being conferences. Think about it being um, CES of 2022, for instance. Mm-hmm. A lot of the infrastructure we build out from a digital uh, ecosystem standpoint was actually actively used to also facilitate and host virtual conferences in okay. the context of a physical conference going okay. on.
1: So things so, that we might not have had to think about two years ago, suddenly, exactly. all these So things. the
0: flexibility and the yeah. agility that we really prepared for back then by making sure we architected the solution right is essential for the types of of, of go-to markets that they're doing today because the consumer space is just so much more unpredictable.
1: I think people... I think people will think this is quite interesting. So, I think everyone recognizes the need for this flexibility, adaptability, the ability to pivot and move, move quickly in, in response to these changing customer behaviors. But some people might say, okay, you have Optimizely, Optimizely is everywhere. And now you're talking about headless, now you're, t- well, now you're talking about kind of the more Mac type technologies. Doesn't it have to be either or? You know, people this, kind of, this yeah. is a big conversation that we're having at the moment, right? People assume it's either the big enterprise suites or it's something else, but yeah. it's, that's not the case, right?
0: No, it is not. It is absolutely not. Like these types of hybrid scenarios where we create agility and flexibility in the places where it matters is extremely important simply in the context of dolby there is a lot of value in what a suite like an optimized lead Add because of the easy ease to use because of the turnkey capabilities because of the integrated nature of workflows because of how it works together from a marketing automation through to a content Mm -hmm. um type of capability all of that is is absolutely value adding and critical for a company like dolby what we needed to to also start to identify is where as we're differentiating does flexibility and agility actually matter? And yeah. we started to really realize this in the landscape of data, in the landscape of, of streaming and content delivery. Like how do we actually, as Dolby, start to push entertainment content to market? Mm-hmm. This could be live content in the form of a virtual conference with a speaker or somebody educating a content creator, but it could absolutely also be demo content, like content that the studio at Dolby yeah. has created or studios in partnership with Dolby. Yeah has actually created. And then also the entire, let's say, unlock of that content around entitlement, around identity yeah. management, around single sign-on, Everything, like all of those that whole of capabilities, package, yeah. we needed the flexibility on because how we want to use this will undoubtedly change. Yeah. How we think we want to use it in six or 12 months, yes, that's a good guess, but the reality is likely going to be different. And yeah. we need the flexibility to really pivot and to use these tools in different ways as the opportunities emerge in the market. Because the the consumers are not as predictable as what they historically have been used to with their business uh, partnerships.
1: So it has to be the shift in mindset. Yeah. What do you see as being the most important decision that Dolby made during this transition from ingredient to experience? What was that one kind of key thing? Was that a mindset shift?
0: Yeah. And I think it was the realization of digital transformation, not equaling redesigning a website. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I'm sorry to say it. Build a new
1: platform, change yeah. your website, it's going to solve all of your problems. Yeah. There needs
0: to be purpose. needs to be greater ambition than simply building out a next generation website. And yeah. I think the realization of this being organizationally wide in being digital marketing can't do it themselves. They need to integrate deeper into product. This is, for instance, Vision and Atmos, like some of the technologies they uh-huh. have. They need to integrate into partnerships yeah. because clearly. They cannot go to market themselves all the time. Sometimes they need to do it with Apple. Sometimes they need to do it with Netflix. Sometimes they need to do it with Samsung. And then also just how that entire collaborative setup is being facilitated and orchestrated. And I think just them realizing, of course, with our support, that this is not just about getting a website live, this is about really building out that infrastructure, that backbone for the organization to, to, to live on is essential and is very important. And I think the fact that we got an opportunity to not just architect, but also create this entire solution with that ambition in mind, with the level of investment that it requires, with the level of, of conversation that it takes, the level of support and, and partnership from the peers within the organization that it, that it also needs, I think that is just the unique opportunity that they capitalized on. But
1: then we know as a business why that's important, the difference that that's going to make to you as a business. How do you convince a company that you need to do more? Because suddenly they're thinking this is going to get extremely expensive. This is going to require whole-scale organizational change. And actually, we're not sure we're prepared for that. How do you convince them that? it's a change worth making
0: of of course there is a bit of of let's call it business case in it There needs to be a commercial reasoning the viability must be there yeah so this entire understanding of the flywheel effect of what does this actually do to our business like at the end of the day dolby also needs to be a healthy business they can't just be about like putting cool stuff to market and like being very proud of it it needs to generate business somehow yeah i think understanding how this influenced their core business around licensing, around partnerships, around the actual traditional uh, Dolby technology and and, and what they do in collaboration with others, I think was critical in order to get the buy-in because suddenly these types of very creative activations from a direct-to-consumer proposition standpoint around Dolby Live with live entertainment alongside with iconic artists, or it could be around these very experiential type of features that we have with the visualizers or it could be the deep integrations back into the cinemas and making sure that we lead folks in that way or it could also be the the fact that this Dolby Soho got established as a pilot and as an uh, experiment to figure out can that also help persuade or, or, or change the perception of the customers I think the fact that all of that was rooted back in I believe and also yeah. a proof yeah. that it's moving the business forward. I think that is what makes the, the, the difference. But it requires a strategy. It requires because, a
1: strategy. <laughs> because <laughs>
0: right. simply right? thinking that the website will do it it's
1: gonna change is your life.
0: not enough. Yeah. Because then you're suddenly sitting and relying on you needing to create demand for it. Yeah. Your value propositions may not be what the market needs, meaning yeah. there, a lot of thinking goes into taking on those types of transformations.
1: And the, and the other thing to say is this isn't something that happens in a year. Like we've been working with Dolby for years yeah. now. This is a long-term yeah. investment and it's not all one thing at once. It's a phased transformation, right? Yeah.
0: And I think uh, what also really went well, and I think this is, of course, kudos to, to the Dolby team as well, is let's take one step at a time. Yeah. One of the things that I remember being extremely important when we had some of the very initial engagements is the notion of crawling before walking before running. There is no way we can expect the organization to just shift overnight. There is no way we can expect the maturity to just increase like this. It won't happen. We need to prove the point along the way, not just to our customers in visualizing and the importance of Dolby, but also to our stakeholders. So along the way, As we started to build out all of these types of capabilities with Optimizely and outside of Optimizely too, we activated them and put them to market. For instance, back then, before even Dolby.com went live, um, we started to support campaigns. We started Mm -hmm. to go in and actually participate in the Grammys. We started to participate alongside with, um, with some of the new Star Wars episodes that came out, like we actually started to capitalize or, or use the, the, the opportunities in the market as a catalyst for testing some of the features and some yeah. of the capabilities yeah. we had. So for instance, the work we did around the Grammys back then was of course our test of this new visualization of Atmos and starting to see does that actually resonate with the market. So instead of waiting for the big bangs and hoping for the best, we also took a very iterative approach where we along the way proved the point internally to so in what? saying we need to fuel more.
1: What happened at the Grammys?
0: What happened at the Grammys? Well, what did you do? It it, it was a music campaign. Just like a full Dolby scale was a major, music campaign. Yeah, for Dolby. Dolby was a major is, sponsor at the Grammys. This is
1: great and super interesting because we're thinking about marketing. We're thinking about all the opportunities available to a brand. You could do anything. Yeah. This doesn't have to be just your traditional channels, the traditional way of marketing, the traditional way of thinking about your business. Yeah. There and are so many interesting opportunities to increase that, that brand perception.
0: And, and, and one thing that I've learned throughout this engagement too, is that Dolby is named Dolby Labs for a reason. Yeah. They are extremely experimenting in yeah. my mind. That's the heritage of the company. It's what Ray Dolby did yeah. back when, when the company was founded in focusing on just sound enhancement. And you can't take that mindset away and you should not meaning the opportunistic nature that sits in the company and being, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, it's we can part do that. their DNA. That is a part of their DNA, and we needed to support it. That's how we got buy-in from the rest of the organization too in really proving out that we absolutely can go in and do activations next to this opportunity. We absolutely can go in and actually put something next to this one too. And doing that as we started to build out the ecosystem, as we started to really focus on also supporting the strategy was important to get the necessary buy-in. We needed both from executive stakeholders in making sure that we continue to fuel the program, but also in the rest of the organization as some of the peers that our digital marketing team had in making sure those uh, silos so those walls inside of the company also got broken down and we started to see the collaboration. It's
1: really, it's it's cool that you talk about that and actually lovely talking to you about this project, Casper, and always lovely to talk to you about this project because you get so animated about it. You're clearly passionate about it and you really enjoyed working on yeah. this project, right? But does it make it so much easier for you to work with a company like that? What about if you've got a company who doesn't really understand the need for testing, for experimentation, for innovation, but you have a more traditional, let's say, legacy brand can they achieve the same things or do you need to have that internal mindset
0: they can but i think the risk profile of failing is higher if you don't test if you don't experiment if you don't prove your value or prove your point along the way so absolutely yes a more traditional mindset can also go through a business transformation i think it's fair to say it will take longer
1: yeah the failures might be bumpier
0: will create bigger bumps bumps that hurt more, instead of you actually going in and recognizing the need to go in and test in a controlled environment Mm -hmm. and also be able to derive the learnings and the insights from that test you did. Because it's informing your next step, it's constantly, let's say, uh, changing or at least uh, correcting your direction just slightly to make sure that you constantly also benefit from what the market needs and And what the market wants. Always stay
1: focused on that strategy. So, what's next? What's coming next for Dolby? Where do they go next?
0: So, it's very clear that a lot of the the more recent work we've done, and we didn't even get to talk about it just a a little bit, is absolutely in the uh, conferencing space on the partnership side and making sure that we support some of those channels more. For instance, education around content creators and how do we actually do mixing in Atmos or grading in vision and why do you do it? And there is definitely a, a strong and good partnership into some of the big directors uh, within the, the movie industry because, of course, this is their craft. This is yeah, yeah. their way it's of expressing thing. themselves and getting enhanced yeah. sound and getting an enhanced visual on it will make a massive difference for the ones who are actually the minds behind uh, the piece of content that's ultimately going out there. So that's a massive uh, opportunity that they're pursuing. Then it's also extremely interesting to see what they're doing in the direct-to-consumer space around live entertainment. Okay. Um, so Particularly one of the,
1: interesting for this D-Congress conference today. Yeah, it,
0: it, it is. And it's also something that I think it's fair to say that five years ago, nobody would have guessed that Dolby actually would be that type of a player. Yeah, absolutely Meaning not. they've started to do official partnerships with MGM Grant and set up actual like venues called Dolby Live, where they are hosting Aerosmith over summer in full Atmos, real-time mixed to make sure you're getting that next generation live performance experience too. Again, it's all about proving the point. It's all about moving preferences. And these types of experiences, I don't think any of us would have imagined ever being possible like four or five years ago. But it's where some of this... Digital capability, it's where all of this direct to consumer thinking and really the, 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 the ambition and desire to move preference and really educate in the market. That's where it's really coming in and it's becoming uh, more powerful than ever. Yeah.
1: It's- it's an incredible case, great story. I feel like we've missed a huge opportunity by not enhancing our sound through of this podcast with with the Dolby experience. But maybe uh, people listening at this can can do that in their own time. Casper, thank you so much for this conversation. I've used up a lot of your time already. We're talking later on Mac and Composable, which thank I'm you. really looking forward to. But thank you as ever for You're being part very of the welcome. podcast. Thanks for having me. We'll speak to you soon and thank enjoy D Congress. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Café. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.